Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. supposed to be talking to you like this uh, today Catherine was supposed to be on a plane and we were supposed to be all having a week off and you were supposed to be listening to our listener question special that we recorded two weeks ago however uh, things have taken a turn uh, Catherine isn't on a plane in fact she's sitting in her apartment at the moment looking a bit miffed um but uh it is for obviously a very serious reason because coronavirus has intervened and cancelled the bnp power bar open at indian wells uh, because they had a positive test in the coachella valley so nobody's going anywhere the tournament isn't being played and there are lots and lots of tennis players in indian wells with nothing to do for the next uh, two weeks and Obviously, it's a very, very serious situation globally at the moment. Um, but for us in the tennis world and us here on the tennis podcast, we thought we would uh, we would delay our listener question special and just talk about it because these are unprecedented times. We've never known anything like this, certainly in my lifetime. I don't think anybody's lifetime that I know. Um, and uh, in the sporting world, we are dealing with uncertainty on on an enormous scale um things changing by the hour so Catherine, why don't you tell us how your last 24 hours have played out because about 16 hours ago we were making fun of you because you were you were not packed and it turns out you could have just stayed unpacked the one time i was disorganized with my packing for a trip and created an unnecessarily stressful packing situation for myself at the last minute. It was the one time I needn't have bothered at all. <laughs> um, I should probably say that um, I, you know, I, <laughs> I fully intend to uh, to treat various aspects of the situation with um, a lot of levity because I think you have to laugh. I certainly have to laugh. <laughs> But that's, that's not to say we're not taking the situation extremely seriously. Trust me, um, I and we are. But uh, and I think one of one of the reasons we are is is well, there's plenty of reasons too. But um, Matt, you said uh, you had a really great take uh, with one of your tweets about you know the intru- sport's supposed to be a refuge, isn't it? It's supposed to be escapism. Um, and when things start to intrude upon that so that you're the little corners of the world that are supposed to be safe places and escapism places um, start to feel unsafe. That's when that's when shit gets real. Um, so, yeah, I hope that the podcast can be a little bit of escapism for people. So um, making light of uh, what's been a pretty absurd 12 hours, uh, certainly in my life. Um, I hope won't be taken as a, an indication that I'm not uh, treating the situation with uh, with seriousness. But it's been it's been so weird. I can't bring myself to unpack my two enormous cases. They're just laughing at me. They are just <laughs> sat in my bedroom laughing at me. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, because I mean, basically, the the situation in the UK is that everybody is stocking up on 
food and toilet rolls, whether they really need to be doing that or not. Well, mostly no, toilet rolls. Yes. Toilet rolls are, are it at the moment, and, uh, and th- those are being panic-bought. Um, Catherine, you have, uh, you've been going the opposite way. You've got <laughs> well, nothing in your house. Well, I thought I was going to go away, so I've t- whatever the opposite of stockpiling is, that's what I've been doing over this weekend. <laughs> I've either consumed or thrown away all of uh, the products that might sustain me in an apocalypse scenario. So I've right. got nothing. Um, okay. I had to, I've uh, I've done an Ocado order and um, yeah I've got I've got the dregs of what the rest of the country wasn't interested in stockpiling. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> oh Luckily, I really enjoy vinegar vinegar based pickled products. Cockles right. haven't sold out anywhere, so I'll be fine. Excellent. I'll be Delighted. stinky, stinky, but fine. Delighted. Well, yeah, and it won't affect us, Catherine, because as you said before we came on air, we're probably only going to have conversations like this from now on. <laughs> I, in the comfort of our own homes, looking at each other on on a on a TV screen or a phone screen. And I meant it in a positive way, but <laughs> my naturally <laughs> my naturally downbeat tone of voice made it sound like the most depressing statement of all time. But what I the silver lining I was attempting to 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 grasp for was that can you imagine experiencing any of this without Wi-Fi? No, I can't. Um, so anyway, I mean, fortunately, we don't have to imagine that, and therefore we are here for you on not the tennis podcast. Um, yes, it could go down at any time, given that mine is not normally the most stable up here in the Midlands. Um, Matt's just come back from from a tennis tournament, uh, or a, a rather a Fed Cup tie. Um, we'll ask you about that in a minute, Matt. Um, but but it's been a bit of a a bit of a whirlwind the last 24 hours and uh, Steve Simon has been speaking we've had first of all I I, I heard overnight that the uh, from you two in fact that, that, that this tournament wasn't going to happen um, I, I woke to 77 unread messages on WhatsApp in the middle of the night and uh, and you you two both knew ahead of me Matt and I were in a very surreal situation where we were awake uh at a, an inappropriate time, and you were asleep. Yes, it was like everything was wrong. Um, <laughs> well, the last message I received before going to sleep was Catherine saying, I've packed. I inexplicably woke up at 2am, checked my phone, Indian Wells had been cancelled, message the tennis podcast WhatsApp group thinking, 2am, Catherine's got an early flight, David's normally up about 3am anyway. Chances are someone's going to be online in a minute. And I waited and I waited. And then suddenly (laughs) Catherine was awake. I had sort of placed money on David being first to be up, but that didn't happen. Despite the early flight. (laughs) Yes. Um, And yeah, so that was was how I found out and shared the news. Mm. Um, Now, the situation is one case has has been detected in the Coachella Valley um it sounds as though they had been considering this this move for a few days they certainly had been ramping up the 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 precautions over the last few days they'd they'd already said that people could have their money back if they didn't want to attend they were going to make uh, ball kids wear gloves they weren't going to let them look after towels and bring them to players which i think was wildly greeted with uh, with shouts of hallelujah uh, because we've been waiting for for that to to be brought in regardless of of an event or of an uh, an outbreak like this but it's um it was last minute it was absolutely last minute qualifying was due to to take place today uh tommy haas the tournament director came out and said it's obviously hugely disappointing it sounds as sounds as though their hand has been forced to some degree by the local authorities in that particular part of the world and 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 depending where you are in the world obviously the 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 severity of the outbreaks are different depending where you are and and if you've only got one one particular case there then that doesn't sound like uh, like necessarily an automatically acute reason on its own to to do this but it it does depend on how you view this stuff doesn't it because things have escalated so quickly in places like Italy and obviously China before that 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a number of uh, there's a number of factors to be discussed. They obviously haven't sort of published um, a uh, detailed account of the the reasoning um, for for the cancellation. We're kind of filling in the blanks and and making assumptions. Um, and I speaking to a uh, a health data science expert, the uh, which is which is what needs to be happening more, in my view, just listening to experts because they're the only ones that really know. The the, the part of the, the the panic or a large part of the panic in the situation is is just filling a vacuum, a vacuum of information. Um and they think that, you know, at this stage erring on the side of caution is a valid course of action because because of that lack of information. Um, we don't know how many people are currently infected and in, or infectious. We don't know what the transmission rate is and we don't really know um, what the death rate is. So um, it, there's there's a difference between the macro response and the micro response and, and the macro obviously on a global scale is, is more important. Um, and yeah, hosting an event where thousands of people are, are coming from across the globe to, to mingle together in close proximity, it might in hindsight be proven to be an overreaction, but with the lack of information about our current situation, it seems sensible to err on the side of caution. And that's not to say that I'm, you know, running around in a state of panic, uh, wearing a Tupperware box on my head, which has been seen on the London Underground uh, this week. I'm absolutely not. But on a macro scale, in terms of sporting events, I... I I I get it. I do get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, I think we all do, really. And 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 there is that feeling of the unknown because Indian Wells have said that they would like to hold the event later in the year. They, they've said that it will not take place at this time. They were very clear about that. Now, goodness knows when and when they would be able to do that. Well, I wonder if they're uh, um, eyeing the the Asian swing. Yeah, in the calendar. I, I don't know. I mean, there aren't there aren't gaps in the tennis calendar, are there? But I, I also do wonder. I mean, this is totally uh, total guesswork, which is it seems an appropriate place to be. Um, it's uh, the average age of the population in in Palm Springs is it, it's it's a retirement village, really, isn't it? It's a rich person's retirement village. So I do wonder if that has been at least a factor. And I think mm. there's a lot of those people who make up a lot of the people that go to the tournament and who volunteer and work at that tournament as well. Um, and I completely agree as far as I'm concerned. If if the health officials are advising that it's too much of a risk and it's putting and having a large gathering is putting more people at risk to, and public health at risk, then it ends there. As far as I'm concerned, if that's the advice, they they have to follow it. I think for people to be to be questioning whether or not this is the right decision, you know, those people are not more informed than the health officials in in the area. You you have to believe they wouldn't have taken this decision lightly, and they've come to it with you know all the with with the information that's available to them. I th I think what I find slightly alarming is that this shows up how uncoordinated globally the response is that it's not even sort of country by country it's literally tournament by tournament we're awaiting now a decision from from Miami as to whether that event will go ahead and of course everybody's already questioning events I mean other tour events too but you know, you've got Charleston on the WTA tour, which uh, a lot of people are trying to get wild cards into. You've got uh, Stuttgart, you've got Monte Carlo, you've got uh, Madrid and Rome. Um, and everyone's kind of waiting for each individual tournament to decide upon its approach. And, you know, in the year 2020, um, it kind of feels like with this nature of thing, the, uh, the we should be working towards some kind of coordinated strategy so I, I do find it's like i mean maybe that will come i hope that will come but the fact that this decision which sets an an incredible world precedent not just in sport has essentially been made by um you know the tournament i do find i do find pretty extraordinary 
Interesting as well that uh, the New York Times spoke to the WTA's CEO, Steve Simon, who said we were supportive of the concept of playing the tournament behind closed doors. But ultimately, the tournament didn't feel it was in their best interest, which is quite a strong statement, really. And, And I mean, Obviously, from a tour perspective, you, you've got the tournaments, but you've also got the players. You, you've, you, you know, you've, you've got players who are there in their hundreds, basically without jobs for the next couple of weeks, um, and and that will be an element of, of of the reasoning for for why he said that. But it's uh, that sounds as though they've they have been at odds. I'm just going to up, un- interrupt this very serious moment briefly because uh, a neighbour has just walked past my window with her dog wearing a face mask. (laughs) (laughs) You know that hysteria I was talking about? (laughs) Was was she wearing a face mask or not? No. Only the dog. Right. Okay, well, dogs dogs are more important than some people think. uh, Yeah, I'm not saying I don't want Rosie to start wearing a face mask. I'm just, you know, just mentioning it. Right. I am okay. saying that. Yeah, we, we do have to. Sorry, Matt, have you to be serious for a, a moment. I'll just digest what I've just seen. Um, yeah, it's, it, the, I mean, that, that in itself is an, is an interesting angle to this, isn't it? Because I, not necessarily all tournaments are going to feel the same. I mean, there are so many knock-on effects to the tennis economy just as, uh, as its own little world because so many people don't have the deep pockets of a Larry Ellison or necessarily the, the funding behind them, and some may want it to go ahead because of that. I, I agree with you ultimately. You've, you've just got to do the right thing um, health-wise uh, because this can't go on like this indefinitely. When that um, decision was made to cancel the tournament rather than hold it behind closed doors, that... I was initially trying to compare it to football matches that have been shut behind closed doors and the Davis Cup ties just this past weekend that we saw. But I think a tournament like Indian Wells, two weeks, is is it economically viable to have a tournament for two weeks without spectators? And, you know, I think tennis, a huge part of the income comes from ticket sales. And, you know, there's, I think 450,000 people go to Indian Wells every year. I just... I just don't know the logistics of holding it. I'm sure that was a factor in it, in that decision as well. Um, I I hadn't quite realised the um, the contrast in tennis to other sports in terms of the proportion of revenue generally that comes from ticket sales as opposed to to broadcast rights or or sponsorship. It is it's a bit bigger proportion of of income and revenue. Uh, in tennis than it is in certainly in football and and I think rugby as well um, and other sporting events that we've seen uh, measures being taken in. But I mean, by all accounts, I mean, certainly on the WTA side, because we've had that pretty, pretty strong statement, I think, from from Steve Simon, I think the implications of it are clear. And, and I, I would logic dictates that the, the same position would be held by the ATP it shows up once again the massive conflict of interest at the heart of of tennis's organisation structure and of those those bodies because the ATP and the WTA represent both the players and the tournaments tournaments and on this occasion the players and the tournaments interests were completely in opposition i think Mm. It certainly did feel as though that the majority of players were were there and wanting it to go ahead and 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 surprised that it that it wasn't. But yeah, I, I think that's a pretty short term view um, generally. Um, whilst I understand why they're saying that, but it going ahead behind closed doors isn't a short term view. I don't think that necessarily means that no. they were saying let's just just push on as normal. But but for them. It's their life. It's their job. Obviously, it's better to play with an enormous crowd, and I'm sure most would appreciate the economic factors involved with not staging it. But, but for them, I guess it could feel like baby out with the bathwater. You know, yes, it's mm. not ideal, but but we've still got lives to lead and incomes to make, and 
it is still possible to do that, albeit in a compromised scenario, I guess would be a lot of their a lot of their views. I mean, for me, it really came into focus this weekend when I was in uh, Hungary for the Davis Cup. I was I had quite a long chat with uh, Kim Kopians, as you do. N- NBF, um, Matt. Yeah. And I was talking about his I was talking with him about his schedule. He was flying straight from Budapest off to Kazakhstan to play a challenger. And obviously, lo- lots of challenger events have already been. Uh, affected by coronavirus and I was talking about his schedule and he said well to be honest I just don't know what the schedule is at the moment his you know um, he's a player outside the top 100 he he needs to play events to survive to you know to make a living I think in this sense tennis is confronting what normal businesses and normal you know people with nine to five jobs are experiencing about what coronavirus will do to the economy and then when you get a cancellation of somewhere like Indian Wells it just it jolts you even more and it scales that problem up massively because suddenly you've got players affected but also media staff all sorts of people it's just it's just just massively scaled up from what we've already seen happening and what players have already been experiencing on the challenge at all this is now just you know it's gone boom and there's a, I think Simon Briggs was talking in his article about a kind of a chain of logic that more events are going to be affected, and this is this is most likely going to be more than just a two week thing affecting Indian Wells. I should say as well that the tournament have said that they will put the players up for a week in the official hotels so that they can practice at the tournament because that's that's one of the issues isn't it it's um where'd you go you, i mean it's it's hard enough we were talking about it the other the other day about how how when you lose first round you you may lose first round in indian wells and then have quite a long time until you go to miami and here they're just they're just kind of in limbo you know the other day on whatsapp and i described um a tennis spectating experience I had at Wimbledon as like a tennis lock-in. Well, that's what's going down at Indian Wells this week, isn't it? If only they'd uh, made the decision like six hours later, I could have I could have been on that plane and in the lock-in. <laughs> <laughs> and this this spray tan that I had done <laughs> wouldn't look quite so absurd. I'm self I'm self isolating due to the absurdity of my appearance in a cold London climate. <laughs> <laughs> and the only people who are ever gonna get to see it are us. <sighs> yeah. My struggle is my struggle is real. Like everyone everyone listening to this is getting the violins out. I and she's got it. and she's got new glasses. Yeah, these weren't cheap. I had to get that um I had to get like a special, special um, anti-reflective. Yeah, for for telly. This is a, it was going to be the first time I'd worn glasses on telly because I'm I'm not allowed to wear contact lenses for two months. So I thought, you know, I did, I did extensive research and shopping for glasses that would work on telly. I got I got a special coating that cost an arm and a leg. You two are going to be the only people that see these bloody glasses. <laughs> now, David's already well, put them on Instagram. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot that. Um, but, but I haven't put the I haven't put the spray spray tan on. So uh, uh, you know, well, imagine that. that picture just a little bit more orange. <laughs> I should have put a filter I guess on. I'm it. sure there's a filter that does that for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Is the one that can take it off? <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, oh dear, what a 24 hours, and what a, well, I mean, what a what a bizarre situation we all find ourselves in. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're making light of it because, well, what else can we do? Um, we've done the serious chat. I mean, the, the, the fact is we have absolutely no idea when tennis will be played again professionally or at least at the highest level. We, we've um, had um, an announcement from the French um, sporting ministry or the uh, Ministry of Culture to say that all um, – Major sporting events in in France will be played without crowds or limited to crowds of under a thousand until April the the fifteenth. Now, Monte Carlo isn't in France, but is 
you know, it, to all intents and, and purposes, logically, in in a situation like this, it sort of ought to be treated as if it were, especially with its proximity to northern Italy as well. So you'd have to think that event is in is in major question. I mean, the thing is, though, everything's changing so quickly and precedents are being set by the day. We were we delayed the recording of this podcast little to, to see if Miami, um, the Miami event made an announcement because that's, that's surely coming one way or another. They've made one social media post since... Uh, I think someone forgot to delete a scheduled tweet. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah. Those things which are hap- dangerous. Which happens, which it does happen, but it doesn't look great. Yeah, they've done one tweet since the uh, the announcement from Indian Wells and it was about ticket sales. It was about buying tickets for the for the tournament. So um bit tone deaf, but I'm sure uh, yeah, I'm sure that was um an oversight in terms of scheduled tweets rather than uh, somebody making it a catastrophically terrible social media decision. Not that those don't happen every single day, <laughs> but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They do. Uh, j- just one note, uh, a couple of other things to discuss, but just one note from Bill on Twitter who says, we don't know much about this virus. We don't know when or if the Indian Wells tournament we played. We don't know what lies in store for Miami, Monte Carlo, etc. So what do we know? We know that Bianca Andreescu will continue indefinitely to not lose completed tennis matches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we know that Roger Federer is some sort of weird mystic. I mean, has, has anyone ever timed a surgery better? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Smuggity smug smug Federer. Mm, yeah. And, and actually, when when the circuit does start again, I mean... It could be like, look, I'm going to look on the bright side. It could be like when you have loads of rain and then suddenly you get this stacked schedule of matches um, and there's loads going on and you don't know where to watch. Oh, no, I don't like those days. (laughs) No, those uh, those days stress Matt out big time. (laughs) Yeah, but they're great fun. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. What I'm getting, it what I'm could getting be, at I've is, got a is better, imagine... Okay, I've got a better comparison for you, David. Go on, then. It could be like the first post-war Olympics in 1948 in London because the, uh, the Olympics weren't held during the, uh, the Second World War. Right, um, yeah. And 1948 was, uh, I mean, obviously it was in London, so it was great, but, yeah, it could have that sort of feel about it. Well, I mean, that's it, isn't it? So often, I mean... That tweet I put out earlier, the one you referred to, Catherine, so often sport isn't affected by these sort of national disasters and global tragedies. It goes on. Sport goes on. It's always there. Um, it is a refuge. And to be in this situation where it's not there is 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 really confusing, I think. And it's and it's weird that it's that's twice now that tennis has kind of been thrusted into a bit of a global emergency this year because obviously it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about potentially the awful bushfires in Australia cancelling the Australian Open. I mean, then then tennis became a force for good in that situation with the, all the funds it was able to raise. But obviously now it's been it's been caught by by this coronavirus, and yeah, we just we're just in this situation of not knowing, which is which is very unfamiliar. Mm. It is um, discombobulating, isn't it? It's mm. yeah. It is. Well, I mean, what are we going to do for two weeks? I mean, I've literally got not one single plan for the next fortnight. A friend, a friend of the podcast, Sarah Woolland, sent us a link to uh, <laughs> an advert that's gone out um, for people to willingly get infected with the coronavirus uh, for research purposes. They're looking for 24 candidates in the UK to get infected with uh, the, the the two weakest strains of uh, the disease for, for vaccine research purposes. And you get quarantined for two weeks. And I thought, well, I've got nothing on. I could do a real national service. And then, you know, touch wood, provided you recover, you've got immunity. So, right. so are you doing I'm, it? Or? I'm not, I think broadly I've decided not to do it. Right. But it, it did cross my mind. You know, someone's got to. Someone's got to do it. Um, 
Yeah, got, right, okay. got nothing else on. I've watched the whole series of Love is Blind. I've got a good uh, box set of the OC if you fancy that. <laughs> <laughs> I might end up having to resort to that. I've Goodness not heard me. anything about that over the last week, after all. <laughs> I've had a few messages about that. A few fans, actually. Um, uh, mostly mostly people just, just looking in bewilderment. Um, but anyway, um, can we talk about tennis for a little bit? There's none just, to just, talk about. You know, just to cheer ourselves up. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, I've got some tennis things to talk about because uh, tennis has happened this week. First of all, Matt, your your Fed Cup tie. Uh, what was it like? Davis Cup. Davis Cup tie. Sorry. Yes, it was. Uh, it was. It's because it's all Belgium. That's why I, I'm, know, I just get I've, confused. I've just become Belgium tennis correspondent accidentally. Um, yeah, hungry Belgium, hungry qualified. Uh, it was a, it was a really good tie actually. Uh, four of the five matches were deciding sets. It came down to the deciding set of the deciding match. Uh, Hungary's two man team of Attila Balash and Martin Fuchsovic eventually managed to beat Belgium's uh, David Goffin Luss team. Um, and yeah, it was it was just classic classic Davis Cup really. Everything everything that you expect that competition to be with the ultimate prize of getting to Madrid in in November. So Hungary are going to be there for the first time. They they weren't there last year. Um Yeah, it was it, it was a it was a fun tie and to think that it's the last tennis that I might be watching for a while. I I think I made the most of it. Um Yeah, we need people to uh to volunteer to have their like local tennis matches filmed and televised just anything oh, to to feed feed the addiction i think me against solihull simon the other day would go down a treat i'll take it it can be my methadone <laughs> i only made i only hit one winner in an hour and <laughs> 45 <laughs> on second maybe, thoughts maybe yeah. not <laughs> But I extracted and, and several error and forced errors. Yeah, I, this I, was I, a score that wasn't a score. Yeah, David triumphantly texted through a erroneous tennis score as no, if it was, it was a something set to all. celebrate. We 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 stopped at four six six four, um, which was better than one six one six from the previous week. <laughs> so I was quite quite happy with that. Um, okay, if anyone's got some better tennis that they're willing to have televised for us to talk about on. <laughs> 
future podcasts uh, indefinitely, let us know. Don't worry, I've got ideas, folks. The oh. tennis podcast is not going to end. Uh, we're, we're, we're all right for next week anyway, because we've got our listener question special that we recorded before we knew all this was going to happen. Um, and we only answered five questions out of about 200. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can do more than that. What have um, we got without tennis chat? It's just it's basically a dog podcast, isn't it? <laughs> and, trust and me, trust me. Slightly dodgy TV series from the <laughs> 90s and noughties by the sound of things. Um, the, the other tennis that was going on, one of them was the, the Leon tournament, won by Sophia Kenin, who won four back-to-back three-set matches and I, I find it pretty extraordinary that she went straight from winning the Australian Open to playing in Fed Cup to playing in Dubai and Doha lost first round in singles in both of those but played doubles in both events as well and then has played this tournament in Lyon and won it were, with some real battles I I think that's partly just sums up who she is and what she's all about. And it also sums up how exuberant she is and how nobody said to her, do you know what? Grand Slam champions don't do that, those sort of things. You know, they normally just take a month off after winning a Grand Slam. But she she is great, isn't she? Yeah, she really is. And I love that she's she's done this now because people were starting to script the narrative about her having this big, let down this big disappointment and drop off after winning that surprise maiden Grand Slam title in in Australia. Has success come too soon? Is she struggling to adjust to her new status, etc., etc.? I feel like just the first pen to paper of of that narrative was was starting to happen. Even though those two first round losses in in Dubai and Doha were, you know, they could easily have been quarter final matches or semi final matches and. You know, the the depth on the WTA tour, they're completely legit matches to lose. But I love that she's done this. I really do. It sends sends such a statement for me. Yeah, it's the most it's the most Sophia Kenin title round imaginable, isn't it? Your that her next title after her maiden slam is a is a slightly obscure event in Lyon. She's done it with four th- battling three setters. I mean it I think it just shows that She's not been too changed by that, you know, by that Australian Open victory. She's just going to keep being her and keep doing her thing, and that's and that that's what's going to take her places. Yeah, it was great. Uh, also, should say that when there was still tennis going on in India Wells, i.e., at the Challenger event that they have just just the week before it. Jack Sock suddenly went from being a man that only won two matches in about 15 months to winning four in a row and getting to the final. And uh, and well done him. I mean, I think he, he a little bit like Kenin, won a batch of three-set matches, real, real epics, and scrapped his way to the final. And, and I'm just really pleased for him because he's... And, I don't, I don't know him, but he's had a, he, he looks like he's had a pretty tough time. Maybe some of it was self-inflicted. I know he's had injuries as well, but I just think that was really, really impressive, the way he got through to the final. He ended up losing to Steve Johnson. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Steve Johnson's had a, a pretty tough time as well, a completely different kind of tough time, but he has, to a less drastic extent, dropped off... Uh, a bit of a cliff after making the top 20 a few years ago. Um, You know, he's had a a very publicly terrible time with his father passing away a couple of years ago. Um, Yeah, it all seemed to to stem from, or certainly from the outside, it stemmed from that win in Delray Beach, didn't it? That first win, that first tour-level win for Jack Sox since, since 2018 and that cathartic moment he had on the court there where he let it all out and showed showed how much he cares and how tough it's been and I don't know if it it looked from the outside like a real release for for Jack Sock and a real watershed moment for for us looking in as an in, in terms of an insight into to how much he does care um I don't know where it feels like he's on a wave of momentum, which he could do with continuing to ride. I don't know where he's going to find uh, future waves to ride. 
he might need to go and play Solihull Simon. Uh, he can't beat him. He's, <laughs> he's tough, I tell you. Um, so, yeah. That, any other tennis happened this last week? Um, well, someone we talked about, I think it was on last week's podcast, uh, Alina Svitolina. One, oh, yes. one in uh, Monterey. She got, I think, four or five wins there and, and won the title. Yeah, after just a really difficult start to the season where she was not even winning sets. Uh, so that that's that's good to see her get back on track there, albeit at a, a slightly lower level tournament. But that's exactly the kind of thing she needed to do. And as you said, hopefully, you know, it, it feels... You feel like that would have set her up for a for a better run at Indian Wells in Miami, but obviously that's that's on hold now. Um, but I think I think you saw some of the Contas matches there as well. I must say that tournament slightly passed me by because I was in Hungary, but I think I think you were watching a bit of Conta. It did me as well, Matt. But my plan is to just pretend that it's happening this week and to go back and watch the oh, matches on on replay. <laughs> <laughs> pretend that it's happening now. I mean. How long can we last for doing that? We'll be watching matches from uh, from 1984 before we know it on YouTube. Anyway, David Conter. Uh, yes, Joe Conter. Yeah, I did see. I did see her match again. I didn't. Did I see the Clysters one? I saw the end of the Clysters one, and uh, yeah, she was pretty good in that. And the the run she had was was decent. I think it kind of put behind her a little bit of the, the the loss of confidence she's had recently but then in that semi-final that uh, that I saw her play against Maria Marie Buskova who 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 played really well she was clearly struggling with her knee and she had treatment after the first set it didn't look good actually and uh, I I would have been concerned for her really as as being able to 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 play Indian Wells in Miami, um, and there was a lovely on court interview with Buskova at the end, who just made it clear how much she how much it meant to her to reach her first final. She was she was tearful on the court. It was a lovely moment. But yeah, concern for Conta, Kim Kleister's in fits and starts played well. She hit a load of aces, but she also hit a lot of errors uh, in that match against Conta. She's still clearly some way off, and it's going to take a while. You would have thought to even if she's able to to get back at all to the top level but I mean we find ourselves in this this holding pattern for tennis now um because everything is is on hold um j- just just one final note from from me was it was International Women's Day yesterday and Andy Murray had penned an article which we circulated last night and it Talk about summing up uh, how I think we all feel about women's tennis and attitudes within within tennis generally to, to, to women. He just hit the nail on the head in such a straightforward, understandable way. And I'd love I'd love the whole of the men's locker room to just read that article. Yeah, there's something really simplistic about that article, which <laughs> which was so perfect because it's just such a simple and obvious um, state of affairs and, and triumph for tennis that that we have this this head start, as Chris Clary put it, Matt, in your uh, chat to him in, in Madrid at the end of last year. We have this huge advantage. We've been ahead of the curve, tennis has, and other sports have been scrabbling to catch up while we've been squandering that advantage seemingly with internecine struggles and and debating you know the as far as i'm concerned the debate settled it all speaks for itself and and we've been moving backwards and andy murray just made that seem sound so um Simple and obvious, which what, what, what he said here is. was he Andy Murray wrote out of all the global sports, tennis is the best in terms of equal prize money and male and female players competing at the same events. But the thing I find interesting is that rather than being celebrated, this is often questioned within the sport. It's attractive to people watching, sponsors, TV, everyone. So don't waste your time arguing about it. Let's celebrate it and actually use it to our advantage to grow the sport around the world. 
Yeah, end, I mean, end of debate. It, it ends. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a, a just just a brilliant um, similarity between the the simplicity of his words and the simplicity of what he was saying, and just how obvious it, it is. You know, you know, the final word, the final line of the piece was, "How can you not see that it's a good thing?" Which just just summed it up um, yeah. perfectly. So there we are. That's about it for the tennis podcast, I think, this week. Anything else? Uh should just say that the the draw for the Davis Cup finals, we can watch we can watch draws, we can't watch tennis, is uh is happening on Thursday. So that's when we'll find out um the groups for for uh, the finals in Madrid later in the year. Right. Um Okay. And probably probably the biggest story was Argentina losing to uh to Colombia so Argentina with all their host of players won't be there um and Ecuador beat Japan which was which was one of the ties with uh, behind closed doors um I think Nishioka wasn't able to travel to the tie because there was a fear that he wouldn't be able to get back into the US um obviously now the fact that Indian Wells has been cancelled has rendered that um, less of an issue as well. So you know, it's just it's all it's all connected. Mm, spare a thought for John Millman, who sacrificed a uh, a piss up um, to celebrate uh, Australia's success in order to jump on a plane to get to Indian Wells. Yeah, those photos from the Australia celebrations yet to be explained. Why Alex Bolt has got a bloody mouth on the court? Have you not seen that? He's got like a he's got like no. a, a chipped tooth. On the court oh. during the celebrations, <laughs> he's literally bleeding. Um, Crikey! Yeah, that's, what? Yeah, that's on Getty. Um, I don't know what's happened there. Martin Fuchovic, um did not sacrifice his piss up. He told me that he had delayed his flight to Indian Wells specifically so that he could celebrate hard. I think with the <laughs> Hungarian team. <laughs> so he's a winner in every yeah. way. Final bit of uh, tennis player content news before we wrap up. Sitsapas has been has been creating content. Right, I mean, which one? Uh, uh, I was. I didn't see you. I didn't oh, see yeah. it. you. Saw his. He he did a, an Instagram live today or something. Yeah, he went on. Instagram he also did live. a very. A, a, a few days ago, you did a very questionable tweet about hair conditioner, which I'm not going yeah. to repeat. But if you want to look <laughs> it up, go for it. That was the one I thought you were referring to. Right. I mean, yes. that was that. I don't say this lightly, but I do think that was peak weird from Sitsapath. <laughs> I really do. If he tops that, we're, I don't well, want the him world to. will be in a weirder place than it is today. Right. Um, but he's also done some produced some live content today. Yeah, Instagram Live. I don't know, it must have been about four o'clock in the morning where he was. Um, and there he was talking about how much music inspires him and playing it really loudly so that you couldn't really hear what he was saying. Um, and, and, and he was in the middle of uploading a video, one that he couldn't upload from the Philippines where he was for Davis Cup with Greece because uh, as much as he liked uh, playing in Manila, he was very disappointed by the by the Wi-Fi, and he was he was unable to FaceTime his family, and he was unable to upload his vlog. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! First world First problems. World problems. Sits a pass edition. Yeah. Sits a passes uh, social media feeds will from now on be the source of everyone's escapism yeah. from reality because he's he is living on a different planet. Let's all live there with him. Part of me thought, oh, Sitspass is live on Instagram. Maybe he's talking about Indian Wells. And then I got there and I thought, of course he's not talking about Indian Wells. He's 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 sort of uploading his vlog to us all. Of course. And actually, it was better that he was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank ah. you, Stephanos. So... There we are. That's that's where we are in the tennis world at the moment, folks. A uh, bit of a different tennis podcast from us this week. We'll have our listener question special next week. Um, it well, was. It was. Will we? Well, we've done it. We might as well. <laughs> what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, I don't know. We wouldn't have thought we'd have been talking about this a week ago. No. Maybe just, something... I'm just trying to keep people on their toes, you know. Yeah. Well, listen. Yeah, We're, we'll keep you keep you up to date. Keep across our social media and keep across our newsletter. What we're we going to predict? 
<laughs> we, oh, might, we, might, we might not get it wrong this week. Um, and, uh, oh, I've got to do my Ask Me Anything uh, on Reddit, which, uh, which, is, uh, which is a big old group of people now. So if you want to get yourself on Reddit, you uh, go down your show so notes. you can put it out as a podcast? Um, I don't, I don't, ask Me we're Anything, in, that could in, go terribly wrong. We're in desperate it? need of content in the weeks don't, to come. Don't you worry, Catherine. I've got loads of ideas that I've been yeah, saving up for this moment. That's precisely why I'm worrying. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just have a two-week nap, Catherine. If anyone wants to come over and unpack my suitcases for me, I will. That is yeah. offers are open. I'm open think, to offers. I think I'm I can't, busy. I can't face it. I packed no. my hand luggage earlier, and it was really bad. <laughs> It's not what you want to be doing, is it? Packing <laughs> and within 24 hours unpacking. Oh, I can't find anything. It's just it's rubbish. Oh, dear. But, well, there we are, folks. Um, I hope wherever you are listening to us that you are personally staying safe and that you are not too damn beat about everything in the in the in the world and the tennis world it's uh it's it's not great fun at the moment is it but hopefully things improve soon and that tennis recommences hastily but uh with that we leave you here on the tennis podcast we'll be back very soon and uh, we'll speak to you then 